You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dancing to the <laughs> the song to is our music. the only happy moment of the show. Just kidding. We're gonna make this fun. Welcome in everybody to Pax What She Said Live. It is our first season real game to talk about with this live show. And unfortunately, it is not a fun one, but we're gonna dissect it all. We're gonna break it down. We're gonna enjoy ourselves while we do it, putting that out into the universe. But first of all, Maggie, how are you feeling? The reason my beer is 12% Perry Goldstein. <laughs> and it's not you, so. It's not me? That's good. No, it's not That's for you. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough one. Tough one. Not the way you want to start the season. Not the way you want to start the season. I don't know how else to say it. Um, so the guys <laughs> are feeling it, too. I We're going to do this show. We're going to break it down. The good, the bad, the ugly. As you can imagine, those sections are not going to be weighted equally. There's a lot that goes in to the last two, but we do want to start off with some positives, right? And please remember, send in your questions. We love to answer your questions, but that's kind of how we're thinking of going through this. Maggie and I both went through our rewatches today as well. So we've got a little, got some more nuggets to comment on, but let's start with whatever good you took out of this game. (laughs) Uh, all right, I'll start. My good um, was AJ Dillon, which I think we both clearly agreed on. Um, first two places in the game, picks up six yards, then he picks up a first down, ends the game with four whole touches, two of them coming in garbage time, averaging 4.8 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Like, it was working. Why, why, did, we, why did we stop more? doing it? Like, yeah, I know. So there's my yeah. good. What about you? That's I'm just all? kidding. I had more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, we'll go, we'll switch off. Okay, my good. Um, Adrian Amos. Okay, led the led the team in tackles. Was getting in there in the box, uh, getting in on the run game, doing what he does. Yes, he let up a touchdown, but if you go back and watch it, it 
wasn't really his fault because Rashawn Gary, if he wasn't knocked into by Dean Lowry, would have gotten to Jameis. It was a whole mess up front. We'll get to that. But Adrian Amos, man, solid, solid safety. Yeah, I'm going to – I'll keep Rashawn Gary as, like, I agree. I think he definitely was the good. I'm going to also say Preston Smith because okay. I think he looked more explosive in his first game back with the Packers this season than he maybe did for almost all of last season, barring, you know, maybe towards late season when he was getting pressured for his job. Um, I thought he was kind of always around the football. And with, I don't know if that's because Z was out for a lot of the game and came in on obvious third down passing situations, but yeah, I thought Preston put some good pressure on the quarterback. And I think, you know, kind of the one hiccup there was that some of these guys are not quick enough to catch Winston when he scrambles. Yeah. Um, I agree. It was nice to see Preston get back to some level of 2019 form. I think if the Packers can get back to any level, any semblance of that 2019 rush, it's going to be really, really, really important for this defense. Um, My other good, Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins not only held up very well at left tackle like we all expected him to, um, he also might have saved pick six by tackling Paulson Adebo. Um, I don't know about you, Maggie, but I wouldn't want to get tackled by Biggie. Uh, that <laughs> looks like it hurts. Um, I think also he he made a tackle on the second interception as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess put him out there uh, as a linebacker. I don't know. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Lucas Patrick was on a kick return? That's what they need Big Elgie to go do now is just get him on the hands team. Yeah. <laughs> get I him on so. special teams. He's ready. I, I guess so. Um. Do we have any other good? Yeah, let's talk about the rookies just a little bit because okay. we didn't get to okay. see too many of them, but I know you cut up a clip from Eric Stokes, his one pass breakup, and then he's out of the game. Uh, TJ Slayton was generating a lot of really nice penetration, On kind of pushing the pile steps. back. Yeah, and then disappeared again, kind of came in towards garbage time. So I think, you know, we'll get to the bad, which is pretty much the entire defensive line not named Kenny Clark, but... You've got some young studs. Let them play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric Stokes came in on some dime packages and that one third down where, oh my gosh, he tracked Adam Troutman and then he closed in and made an aggressive tackle and it ended up being a PBU. What a concept on third down. Sorry. That was really sarcastic. Seriously, though. I mean, like, Stokes came in. He did what he needed to do. He got a third down stop. You didn't see many of those from the Packers defense this game. And I, and then he disappeared. And, again, I don't understand. I think this is kind of – we'll get into this in the bad, but I don't really understand if someone's out there making plays and others at that position are letting up plays while you take somebody out. Um, to keep going with the rookies, Amari Rogers had his first career catch – I'll beat from Jordan Love in garbage time, but it was a really nice pass, really nice catch. And I think Amari is going to end up doing some really nice things for the Packers. Yeah. And I don't know if this, I guess, falls into the bad or, you know, what we're confused about, but I couldn't believe the way that the offense was just so unpredictably everything like last year. Like why was Randall Cobb only in with Jordan Love? Why did he play 15 snaps all game? I understand that he kind of came into the season as wide receiver four and we knew that MVS was going to get a ton of touches and Alan Lazard. But like if, if Randall Cobb was coming in to be one of the guys on offense, why did he have the fun end around when Jordan Love was in and it didn't matter that his longest reception, the longest reception of the day 
none of that mattered. Like, what, what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the longest receptions was that really beautiful pass to Devonta Adams that Rogers made at the end of the first half. Um, that, that was, was good. Um, Peter Bukowski actually just tweeted a different angle of it. I think it's the all 22 angle from behind and yep. who makes it even look even prettier. Cause that window did not exist. Um, and I really enjoyed the Mercedes Lewis 19 yarder. I don't know. About any- yeah. I don't know he about anyone else, but I love that. So, um, I think, I think I'm out of good. Yeah. Mercedes was my, was my last one. And it was just, you know, Mercedes Lewis is still Mercedes Lewis, which is very exciting. So. Yeah. Oh, here's the, here's the other good Mason Crosby made the field goal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Special teams didn't give up like a return to me. That was, that was good. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Who hurt you outside of the 53 men that played football on Sunday? Who hurt me? We don't have enough time for that. Um, okay, let's move on to the bad. And when we talk about the bad, we mean bad as in this game, it wasn't great, but likely it will not be bad for the rest of the season. It's fixable. It just maybe was game fluke. When we get to the ugly, that's the stuff that we're actually concerned about long-term. So where do you want to start? Let's talk about the defensive line because I already kind of talked about it a little bit. I think maybe it's fixable depending on the personnel you put in there. Like, I I don't know what you saw. Maybe people will disagree. I thought Tyler Lancaster got manhandled the entire game. And I, you have a trash can full of dirt sitting on your sidelines inactive. A literal trash can full of dirt maybe would have been more productive clogging the middle of the defense. Yeah, the D-line for me, I would put in the ugly, but I agree with you that personnel-wise, I think that was the piece that I didn't understand. And this is kind of a theme for me throughout the entire game, which is you draft TJ Slayton. He only plays, what would we say, 12 snaps. He's 360 pounds, isn't he? Like, why not just put just just, just, just put him in there? Um, he's going to fill a hole. You... You put you keep Jack Hufflin right on the 53. He's not even active for the game. You know the D-line is a problem, right? You know that it's basically Kenny Clark and a lot of question marks. Kingsley, Kingsley Kiki got in there, but he's not a run stuffer. He's a pass rusher, and he was getting absolutely manhandled by the Saints offensive line and couldn't couldn't make any stops. So I didn't understand why there wasn't some personnel changes when it came to the line because Kenny Clark was doing everything he possibly could, but he's only one man. Yeah. He was doubled at least like tripled a couple times in his coverage, trying to get to the quarterback or get to, you know, the runner that whizzed by him because he was being hung on to. And Dean Lowry, you know, we talked about it a little bit. That was definitely in the bad, hoping it can be a fixable, um, not ready to call it ugly, I guess, just yet. But he just seemed to always be in the way. Like yes. he would be going to make a tackle and he would just knock somebody else down who was quicker. And it's like, all right, he this got, is. <laughs> he got tackled by Alvin Kamara on one of the Saints touchdowns. Like Alvin Kamara basically like chop blocked him from the legs down and he fell over. And then subsequently blocked Rashawn Gary from being able to get to Jameis Winston. Like it was just, how does Alvin Kamara, little running back Alvin Kamara take down two? I just, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was bad, but 
There are options for the Packers to put in there. As we mentioned, TJ Slayton, Jack Heflin. I don't know if they can like scrounge together some money to go after a free agent, but like there, Kenny needs so much help on that D line. And my issue with this is why it kind of leans towards the ugly for me is because this is not a new problem. This has been a problem for a couple of seasons. They have not done anything to address it by they, I mean, Packers front office, coaching staff, Goot, et cetera. I I just, I, I don't know what to say about it anymore. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think like it's, you know, Andy talked about it with you on pack a day, but you know, I th- it's the, it's literally the definition of insanity. Like yeah. you're trotting out the same personnel having them do the same things and then wondering why it's still not working. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. And that's the what thing do we think was going to happen? I don't know. And, and they weren't, they weren't doing anything well. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning of the game, they were, they were containing Alvin Kamara well enough, but as the game went on, Kamara started going off. They couldn't, contain anything they couldn't set an edge they couldn't close gaps like at that point when you can't do any of those three things what exactly are you doing losing by a lot yeah I mean letting <laughs> James Winston throw all over you letting Jameis Winston throw for five touchdowns another thing that goes in the good because I think oh thank you Patrick carry thank you, Patrick. Them, mother f and g yeah we're still carrying the g we can still criticize and carry the g um they'll bounce the other, back what we'll talk i said they'll bounce back we'll talk they'll about bounce that back. yeah um the other thing i'd put in the bad is not the ugly is the pass rush um i think i saw and again i've watched the replay a couple of times i think i saw like one five-man rush and like two blitzes and the rest of the game it was just four-man rushes they just absolutely could not get anywhere they couldn't get to Jameis at all there was no pass rush. And again, they have the personnel in order to get there and to do that, but they just couldn't make it happen. I think it's possible it was because the Saints offensive line, right? The Saints offensive line is probably one of the best in the league, but they beat them in the trenches. They absolutely beat them at the line of scrimmage every single snap. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I guess we'll talk about the offensive side of the ball, but I feel like more of my bad still comes from the defense. And I think like, I don't know if it's us hoping that it gets fixed, yeah. but I I wasn't sold on Devondre Campbell. I think that he, you know, will adjust to the defense, but you know, you look at even like Oren Burks coming in in garbage time and he was flying around. I think he had a tackle for a loss in the backfield. Like he probably is your speediest inside linebacker. So if you have coverage responsibilities, I don't know if Chris Burks, or Chris Barnes or Devondre Campbell can be those guys. Like, I, yeah. I don't think that they can be quick enough, maybe against tight ends, but a guy like Alvin Kamara running back, I think you got to see what Oren Burks has. Like, he made the team for a reason. Yep. I totally agree with you. I think I'm, again, putting in the bad category because it's likely something that they can change because they can rotate Burks in a little bit more. To stay with inside linebackers and in the bad, I thought that Devondre Campbell was a little lost pre-snap. Um, as was the whole defense, but when you are playing that role and you have to be the guy, um, you can't be confused when the play clock's down to one second and the Saints are about to snap the ball. Like, you have to be set, and I just didn't think that the Packers, I guess defense as a whole, but really Devondre Campbell were set. And I think that that's something that can get fixed over the course of the season as you get more comfortable with the play calls, you get more comfortable calling out to the rest of the defense, you know, direction wise, what everything has, what everything's, what they need to do. Um, So hopefully that's something that he kind of grows into. My questions really are like, 
is Devondre Campbell the guy? Like he's been in the league for long enough that he's never been the guy at any of his other teams. Like I'm not sure what the Packers think is going to change now. Um, he's solid and he's big and can tackle, like you said, but he he's not, you know, some of the better inside linebackers that we see around the league. I think one of the issues too with the defense and it's, it's hard to fix it. You know, you can't fix it with the personnel you have, like they can't get faster, but like you draft Eric Stokes, he's quick. Jair has speed. Like there's certain things that Kevin King will never be able to do as a boundary corner. Like he doesn't have makeup speed. So when you're talking about, I'm okay. But when you're talking about like the middle of a defense, (laughs) you know, getting burnt by players like, Alvin Kamara, Tyree Kill, like the league is getting faster. And mm-hmm. I feel like the Packers defense has yet to figure out like how to evolve. I agree with you. And I don't know if bringing in Joe Barry, an old white man who, sorry, his, his race doesn't matter there. I just, uh, you know what I mean? Um, an old man who's been in the league for a while and his past two defenses weren't good. And again, I, I'm I'm still optimistic uh, about him, right? It's one game, a lot to learn from. You like the Staley Fangio type defense. You like what that can bring. You think that the Packers personnel can fit that, but I didn't think that the defense looked any different than Petten on Sunday. Except for Less the lack dime. of dime. Yep. Yeah. Less dime. That like that's literally it. There was nothing special or new about it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that goes into it, too, is like we're trying to figure out, you know, is it the way that the personnel is being utilized or at what point do you start thinking that it could be the personnel? Because you have Jair Alexander, like you have Z and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and you have ascending players, even Adrian Amos and like Darnell Savage are a really good safety tandem. So you have all these like ascending groups, except maybe inside linebacker. So you should theoretically be able to use your personnel in a way that is effective and instead you end up with Jair and maybe like Kenny a couple of captains being pissed off at the production from the other eight or nine guys they're on the field with at any given time yeah I mean defense is the weakest link system and there were weak links on every single position group on Sunday like you can't you can't win games like that you can't you can't get off the field on third down like that Okay, what else was bad but you think is fixable? I have something in mind. I was going to say I have more notes. Uh, Let's talk about situational play calling and decision making from the offense. That's exactly where my head was at. Um, So situational play calling and decision making from Matt LaFleur. And then then I think there's also decision making from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I agree. Where do you want to go first? Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, because I think we agree that it was bad. And, you know, I don't think you can call that ugly to the extent that, like, everything he did was very fixable. Yes. Yeah. And you know that Rodgers is not going to play like that the rest of the season. Like, top three. If he does, I'm going to have to get stronger alcohol. If he does, we have a larger (laughs) issue at at hand. So we're not going to go there. Um, Yeah. I just, I felt like he was very uncharacteristically off like off with his decision making process off with his reads off with his timing like you and I talked about this today like there were a couple throws that you're like he should have let the ball go just a second earlier like Aaron Jones on the first drive if he had just let it go 
Jones would have had an easy first down that throw to Tunyon. He had a couple to like, and the, all of his deep balls were off. They were like accurately, they were just off, which is also really uncharacteristic for him. And you know, that's not going to like continue on throughout the season. So I don't want to talk about the off season and preseason too much because I don't think that they're, they're deciding factors in the way this game went, but I do think that they're variables that need to be touched on, which is that Rogers didn't come for any mini camps, OTAs, all the voluntary stuff. He always does all off season. He probably barely threw a football around. I don't think after 17 years that necessarily matters, but after all of that, then he also didn't play a single snap in preseason. So he essentially hasn't had any reps uh, since the NFC championship game. And like, it would be fair to say that he would be rusty after all that time. Well, and I think it's funny too, because even like every report that we heard from training camp was that the offense was like roasting the defense. And we were all like, wow, man, this offense is going to be unstoppable just like last year. And I think what we learned <laughs> was that the defense <laughs> is just no better yeah. off than they were. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I think that a lot of those things will be, will be fixed. And I think that Aaron knows that and the offense knows that. And, you know, everybody had their social media post, flush it and respond. It's not going to happen again, blah, blah, blah. I get it. You know, Aaron Jones said, Hey, we lost three games the last two seasons. Like this is one. I completely understand that. And that's how you have to approach. If that's how like you need to approach that as a player, I get it. Like it's probably better than to dwell on it. Adrian Amos said, can't let, you know, this beat us twice. And I think that's a good way to look at it, but you do have to wonder like, what changed so much from the success he had in the 2020 season to coming out and looking like he wasn't, you know, timing any of his throws with anybody, you know? Yeah. They just, they were off. They were just out of sync, out of rhythm. I think the the rhythm piece also goes to some of Matt LaFleur's play calling and decision-making as well. Like we said, AJ Dillon was running really well and then, he disappeared. I think like the run game in general just disappeared and there was absolutely no balance to the offense sometimes. And this has been a theme for the last couple of seasons is when things go bad, they just absolutely implode. You know, as a Packers fan, you've watched Rogers have many, many comebacks Mm -hmm. in your, in our years, fourth quarter comebacks. You think no matter what, anytime he steps on the field, um, he can come back and win this game. And that hasn't been the case in the Matt LaFleur era. Like when they get down, they get down and things spiral. And it feels like the offense is trying to score three touchdowns at once, right? Like it feels like they're just trying to score like 21 points in one drive, which is not possible. And they forget what kind of football they play and they just completely abandon. It feels like they completely abandon the game plan. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was really interesting. I saw kind of the same sentiment around some of the, you know, the talking heads of Packers Twitter. And it was like, you know, at what point, if you're Matt LaFleur, do you just stop deferring to the second half? Like, this is a Packers team and an offense specifically that is predicated on building a lead with your offense because then the defense can hang on. Like, we saw Mike Pettin do that. Yeah. The defense can play with a lead. The issue that Matt LaFleur seems to run into is how to coach when your team is down. Even, I mean, it's obviously insurmountable when it's two or three scores because we haven't seen them able to come back from them. But it feels like even one score, there's an urgency. Yes. And I think that, you know, I don't know if it's like a newer head coach thing, but you'd think going into your third year, that urgency would go away when you have 
vets like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Mercedes Lewis who can slow the game down and say, like, we just need to be true to who we are as the number one offense last season. I just I kind of wish that they and this is, I think, a little bit of like conjecture because I don't know what they're actually thinking on the sideline. But I almost wish that they would just completely forget what score it is, like think it's zero zero or whatever, think it's they're up seven, nothing and just go drive down the field. Like, you know, that you can, it doesn't matter about time. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't, or if it is, you know, late in the half and they only have play your hurry up offense. Fine. Aaron Rodgers is really good at that. Aaron Rodgers can audible at the line. You don't need a huddle. Like there's, there's a lot of things that they do really well that they just, it, I said it on, on pack a day and I, it feels like they are having an anxiety attack on the football field. And when you have an anxiety attack, I don't know if anyone out there has had it, you feel like you can't breathe, but you can breathe. It's just your brain telling you, you can't breathe. And you go into this like cycle of like, (laughs) and that's what it feels like the Packers offense is, is doing. They just have to stop, take a deep breath. Remember that their lungs and their brain know how to send oxygen back and forth (laughs) from one another and just go drive down the field and do it. It doesn't matter because the game was not out of reach at all until really the end of the third quarter. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about that, like this game, especially on the rewatch, the final score is God awful. Like 38 to three should never have happened, but towards like four minutes left of the third quarter, it was still like 17 to three. And really kind of the turning point was the should have been interception that turned into seven points for the saints. Like the Packers had every opportunity to get back in the game. And I think that's, what's so confusing is How do things spiral out of control so quickly? Like, at what point does the offense and defense struggle to put things together to that extent? We have a a question, I guess. Um, Zoel Dominguez, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Pronunciation is not my strong suit. Uh, Stokes plays no preseason and very little in game one. Hurts seeing King out there. It also felt like McCarthy's offense. Keep up the good work, ladies. Thank you so much. I agree with you. There was a lot of spread. And that's, I mean, the Saints know that the Packers have to throw the ball a lot. When you're down by a couple of scores, that's what you have to do. But it doesn't mean that you should just, like, not disguise it at all and show them what you're up to. Um, it was it was very disappointing from a play caller who has been very, like, progressive and creative. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting too, is like, we talked about it a little bit in the bad about what we're hoping that can be fixed, but like LaFleur got pretty creative when Jordan Love was in there and it's almost like there was a calm again where it's like, okay, this game's out of reach. Let's just have fun with the playbook. And then Love was slinging it. Amari Rogers looked good. Randall Cobb looked good. Malik Taylor looked good. Like why can't we have that same, like slow it down, composed offense, creative offense when, you know, your actual starting offense is on the field. And, you know, it was Ben Fennel who said this was an offense that played 80 percent in 11 personnel i swear they never did that last season you know never. it was all about 12 21 getting really creative with was, the tight ends 11 like, was mccarthy that's exactly what that that listener's comment was it felt like mccarthy's offense and it did it did um i i think though we put this in the bad category because we know that it's not going to happen again. You, you know that they're not going to come out with that game plan again. I think at least what we've seen from Matt LaFleur is whenever these really bad games happen, the bounce back is real. He does come back. They end up winning games again, getting back to their brand of football, getting back to what they're good at. So um, tough to watch in week one though, right? Like who, what you came out, you haven't played football in how many months and that's how you come out guys. Like, please. Um, all right, let's go to the ugly. 
to be honest, I thought we were already talking about the ugly. <laughs> I have no. We're we're we're, we're going like this. Like right now. Oh, we're just going into out. beautiful misery. Okay, um, beautiful misery. I love that. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> love that for us. Okay, let's talk about Kevin King. All right. Packers decide to bring Kevin King back. I think a lot of fans were questioning the decision, um, mainly because it was kind of a lot of money, right? Like five and a half, six million dollars, one year deal, prove it deal. You really, really want to root for him, but he's hurt all of camp, like barely plays in camp, does not play a single snap in preseason, and comes back looking like he did in the NFC Championship game. He cannot, I mean, I'm sorry, Deontay Harris should not be beating you. He should not have be having you turn around in circles. Like it's not Michael Thomas out there. All right. Like no hate to Deontay Harris, but come on. Like Kevin King, you've been a starting cornerback in the league for how many seasons and you're playing six to 10 yards off of this depleted wide receiver core from Jameis. Like, what are you doing? You, he got beat on another touchdown that was exactly like the Scotty Miller touchdown. And then NFC Championship game, we need to breathe because I'm getting mad. <laughs> um, like, I, at what point are you just like, this is just what he is? Like, Jair Alexander gets thrown at once all game because they know not to go there. And Kevin King goes back to being the guy that gets picked on because he lets you catch the ball. He doesn't even tackle. If you watch the game, he like will run in when a tackle is being made, but like not touch the player. Like he just does not tackle. Okay. I was just, I was, was going to let you just like get that off your chest for as long as you needed to. It's infuriating <laughs> when you have, one of the best cornerbacks in the league yeah. holding down an entire side of the field. And it doesn't even matter because the other half of the field is such a liability. I mean, the one, um, I think it was justice who put it on Twitter, but the, the Packers were in dime. I believe it, that that's what it ended up being for the Eric Stokes pass breakup. Yeah. And it was, Stokes and King on the boundary and Jair and Sullivan in the slot. And I think that's a really interesting personnel grouping and I don't know if that's something they'll continue to do obviously we saw it for like three hot seconds and then it disappeared but you know it it is tough because you know it's kind of like what we talked about with the bad where there's players like Kenny Clark and you know Z and Rashawn and Preston and even your safety unit where it's like you're really hoping that the rest of the unit will bring things up to speed and your defense can be what you think it'll be. I mean, Jair goes into his press conference and says, we got some dogs and then none of the dogs know how to tackle. Like it just, it has to be so exhausting as a player to be in all pro contention, not have a ball thrown your way and have to sprint across the field because the action's always on the other side. And you, it's just, there's you nothing you can do, do anything about it. about it. So it's interesting you say that because I was watching the Rams bears game Sunday night and the broadcast was like, you know, the Rams were getting so sick of what's, what's happening. Jair was essentially happening. Jalen Ramsey, right? No one was throwing his way when he was covering kind of one side of the field he wasn't seeing any action. And so he hit all of his athleticism, his juice, his abilities were basically getting wasted because nobody was throwing the ball his way. So they moved him into this star role. So they moved him around and now he moves around and he, they allow him to make plays and the Rams can do that because they have other corners who can cover the boundary. Right. Yeah. 
And you would love to be able to see the Packers do that with Jair because I think that he would be incredible at it, or at least in some limited capacity. He played like, I think I, Paul Brettel tweeted it and I should go find it right now because yeah. So Jair played four snaps in nickel, in the nickel slot. Okay. Even if you increase that, you, you can allow him to fly around, let loose, make plays on the ball because he can do everything that Jalen Ramsey can and probably more according to his dad more. Um, <laughs> and, but you can't do that because the Packers don't have two reliable boundary corners to put out there. And I know that they're, you know, this was a, an argue or a point of contention when Kevin King got re-signed because the thought process at least was like, if you have a young secondary, you have to be better off to have Jair a vet like Kevin King, and then some rookie draft picks. And we've now approached the point in already week one where that maybe is not the case anymore. And I think that's the issue then is, you know, I think if you look at like Shamar John Charles, prototypical nickel corner, see who else do you have on the boundary if not Eric Stokes? Like you're looking at a really thin position group all of a sudden because Josh Jackson's gone. Kadar Holman's gone. And even though those were the right decisions, you yeah. approach the draft from a point of, I think, you know, push kicking the can down the road and thinking for the future again. So you really don't have a ton of depth even behind Kevin King. You know, if something happens, no. God forbid, to Eric Stokes or Jair, like screwed. I mean, screwed. And we haven't even touched on Chandon Sullivan because Chandon Sullivan took the majority of the snaps um, in the slot as normal. It's what you expect. I think Savage Amos got a couple, but like it's me, it's mainly Chandon Sullivan and he's not as much of a liability as King is, but he is like, he's not covering the middle of the field. Well, you know, him and King ran into each other <laughs> and Jameis threw the ball to do. Ju- I think it was Juwan Johnson for a touchdown. Like they literally ran into each other and fell down in the end zone and that was already what when it was like 24 to 3 so it's like oh good 31 whatever it was microcosm of the Packers issues all in one play I I don't know what is and the the like you said they drafted Shamar, Shamar John Charles but they didn't really address the slot corner position pour one out for Elijah Molden always be sad the Packers didn't draft him but but really like they 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 didn't and I I keep going back to this idea of like it's a weakest link system and the Packers at the moment based off play on the field on Sunday, they have two weak links. Yeah. And I mean, even like, I mean, if you listen to packs that she said during the draft, you know, the Paulson Adebo was the light of my life and it broke my heart a little bit to see him, you know, looking as good as he did for the saints on Sunday, but you know, there, there are examples, right. Where it can work out where if you're, if you're pressed into having to play a rookie corner, like at, at what point is a growing pains, Eric Stokes, like, how is that any worse? I don't think he is. I think at this point, put him out there. Look, they threw Jair out there week one. And again, not everyone's Jair and it's a really high bar. And Eric Stokes is not polished and ready, but he's never going to get polished and ready if you don't play him. So I want to, let's talk about this just a little bit. I'm seeing a lot of comments and we kind of talked about this in the DMs today, but the idea of moving Kevin King into the slot, even for some snaps, like, do you feel better about the defense if it's Eric Stokes 
and Jair on the boundary, and then you have Kevin King on the inside. Any better? Because I kind of think I do, because I think I feel better about Eric Stokes on the boundary than Kevin King on the boundary and Shannon Sullivan inside. I don't know at this point. Like, Kevin King can't cover. He can't tackle. His size would be great in the middle of the field against tight ends. I don't think he's yeah. he's fast. Like, right, he runs a fast 40, but can he keep up with running backs? Will he tackle the running backs? If he well, yeah, like, that's my thing. Is that if, if Kevin <laughs> King, like, let up a couple of big plays every once in a while, sure, cornerbacks do that. And was at least, like, a solid tackler, I'd be like – my answer to your question would be yes. But his tackling – is so subpar that like my answer is no. Yeah. And I mean, I, I see, like, I agree with the comments that, I mean, I get it, you know, like the size is appealing against like tight ends, but there's no way that he could hang with like even a Randall Cobb. No, no. Um, Jeff Ness. Thank you for the super chat. Joe Barry's defense was not assignment. Sure. You can't be aggressive. You don't know where you're supposed to be. A hundred percent agree. They were definitely confused pre-snap, like just not on the same page. Yeah. And I mean, friend of the show, Rachel Hotmeyer of NBC 26 did ask Adrian Amos that because, you know, the whole theme of the defense kind of in training camp was you can't be on the wrong page if you're all on the same page. I think we kind of found out, though, on Sunday that you absolutely, it doesn't matter if you're all on the same page. Like, if you're reading a biology book and you're in English class, it fucking matters, right? <laughs> like, it it matters. We got enough bomb from Maggie. It matters. <laughs> it matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's brutal out there. And I want to touch on Darnell Savage just, like, real quick. I think this should have put been put in the good, in the, bad not the ugly but we're on the secondary so we'll keep it theme he didn't do a ton he had that interception that was called back because of a absolutely trash trash roughing the passer call that we're just going to ignore because it was so wrong um but other than that like he didn't do a whole lot yeah i mean i and i don't know if that's because Adrian Amos was kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. So he he yeah. led the team in tackles. He had nine. We knew that was coming from Joe Barry. Like he was going to drop Amos into the box. And I think that was a good move for the defense. But yep. yeah, I mean, Darnell Savage went on a couple safety blitzes and they were they were interesting. Like they caught my eye when they happened because he has kind of that speed to get around the edge, but even though it didn't, didn't amount to anything, anything. <laughs> right. It didn't amount to anything. Cause the screens both went to the other side, yeah. you know, the ball got out quick enough, but it is something I guess to keep an eye on from him to just see like, if yeah. that is a wrinkle that develops in his game. Yeah. I, I think it'll just be interesting to see the way he's used the rest of the season. Like I said, it's not in the ugly, it's in the bad, not the ugly. I think I have, we all have very high hopes and warranted expectations for Darnell Savage. I just thought it was interesting that in the rewatch, like I have no notes on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I um, do have something for the ugly. Okay, let's go. How the F do you let a team convert on fourth and seven? That's just demoralizing. I'm going to let you talk here because you tend to talk about this on pack a day and you, you said it really well. So about the fourth down, Here's my, okay, so the Saints converted 50% of their third downs and 100% of their fourth downs this game. The 50% of the third down actually surprised me. Um, they went five for 10. It felt, felt like they more. went, it felt like they went 10 for 10, nine for 10, because Stokes stopped one. Um, 
And my thing about it, and this was what what I, why I said this leading up to the game, the whole week leading up to the game, everyone says, you know, what's the X factor here? It's Sean Payton. Sean Payton is the X factor here because he's a very proven and successful and creative head coach. And Sean Payton, in a recent interview since the game revealed that he actually went back and watched some old Packers film to figure out which most head coaches do, but he stole that fourth down play, that fourth and seven down play from the Rams game because it worked in the Rams game. It worked against the Packers defense in the Rams game. And he knows he has the balls to call those because the Packers defense doesn't strike fear into anybody's hearts that they can be, they can stop the offense. There was nothing that they did that showed Sean Payton, you know what? It's fourth and seven. Maybe I just punt. No, why would he do that? They let the Saints walk down the field the whole game. They there's nothing that they did on Sunday. They didn't do anything well. We've gone over this. They didn't cover well, they didn't rush well. So why wouldn't Sean Payton go for it on fourth down twice? And he can convert both times because the Packers couldn't stop him. Um, and that to me is a lingering. That's why we put it in the ugly. That's why you brought it up now is this is a problem. There is no striking fear into the hearts of offenses from this Packers defense. Yeah. And I kind of, I put something else in my ugly too. And it's just like, I mean, it's silly to say that this team needs to get yelled at, but like, you have seven captains and Matt LaFleur said that 27 guys got captains votes and 10 of them got 10 or more votes. And whenever the camera like pans to the sideline, everybody's dejected and like internalizing everything and nobody's talking. And like, I don't know, I think about Charles Woodson and some of these guys that would get in your face and hype you up and help you understand that you were always still in this. And I feel like this team needs a spark and I don't know who the spark's going to come from, but I th- I think that that is needed here. And I know that, yeah. you know, guys coach different ways and people respond to different types of motivation, but somebody ha- at some point has to be the spark plug because if you trot out the same way every game, this is going to always be the result. Yeah. I keep thinking about the 2019 defense and how that pass rush was like the focal point, right? Like the identity of the Packers defense in 2019 was the rush. It was Z. He was the hype man. He was exactly what you said. He was the leader out there and he got everyone psyched up. We don't have, they don't wait. They don't have that anymore. They lost that. And I think either they need to decide, are we getting back to that? Because that's what worked for us once. And we still have the same personnel. So why not? Even more so because Rashawn Gary can do more than he did in 2019. Or somebody else, like you said, has to step up. It has to be a Jair or an Amos or somebody. But there was a point in 2019 when they had that leader to hype them up and they had that group to rally around. Because at least you knew that the Packers pass rush should come in and dominate a game or make a big play or change the game or do something that was worth respecting from the opposing offense. But they just, they feel like they've lost it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with coaches. I like a lot of the Packers coaches. I think they're very talented and it, it's hard for me unless they, you know, it's possible that they don't show things like that, but you think of the Super Bowl and you think of Kevin Green and, you know, him telling Clay Matthews, it is time. Like, what is Mike Smith? Mike Smith doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who has a dip in his cheek in his pressers 
to just be like, oh, yeah, well, look at this. We're getting our asses kicked. Like, that sucks. Charles Woodson is in the Hall of Fame and in the Packers Hall of Fame is his quote about, you know, if President Obama doesn't want to see us as Packers fans or as Packers because he's a Bears fan, like, we'll go see him because we're going to win the damn Super Bowl. Like, that energy for as much as these guys say that this is the hungriest team they've been around, they don't seem to, like, bring the energy of being hungry, which is weird. I could not agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you fix that? I don't know. Because when Matt LaFleur came in, it really felt like there was this locker room shift, this culture shift, this, and, and it felt that way once the team got back to Lambeau this year, it felt like that energy was back and then they get on the field and it's lethargic. And I mean, like, maybe, maybe it's like, you know, they asked Aaron Rodgers after the game, like, you know, did you think the team was maybe a little too high on themselves? And he said, yeah, maybe that, like, we thought we were going to run up and down the field on these guys. I like and that. do it. If you feel that way, then go and do it. It's okay to be arrogant. It's okay to have an ego. This sport breeds that. Like, <laughs> you need an attitude. Needs like, that. Yeah. But don't feel that way and then go out and get your asses kicked. And I mean, like, I think the thing about this, too, is it's week one. Obviously, there's 16 games left. Like, we know the Packers can fix this. And I do think that they'll have a bounce back game week two against the Lions. I think that will happen. But then, I mean, the schedule doesn't get easier. You've got the 49ers on Sunday Night Football in San Fran, where you have historically been underwhelming. You got the Steelers, you know, who put a beat down on the Bills, even though they didn't look very good the first half of the game. But like, you know, it's it's going to be an uphill climb. You drew some of the toughest divisions. You've got the entire NFC South. The Chiefs. Or NFC, yeah, you've got the entire AFC North. Like, these are all really good playoff caliber teams. The Packers are playing the most playoff teams from last season. And I, I get, like, chills thinking about this Packers defense trying to stop the Chiefs offense. It, it just, like, it... Or Lamar Jackson from Monday night. Yeah. phenomenal and they still lost can't believe the Raiders pulled that one out I I bet the Raiders would (laughs) you did but you were not confident about it (laughs) (laughs) had no basis zero basis okay um anything left that we haven't covered that you'd like to touch on well I joked with you pre-show that after the good and the bad the ugly I did have the indifferent and I think to me the indifferent is Special teams. Like, I know Kylan Hill kind of muffed a return on the goal line, and that could have gone for, you know, just a touchback. But by all accounts, the Saints have one of the best return men in the NFL. And for the first time, maybe, you know, at least in the preseason, that was a liability. Yeah. Wasn't a liability on, on we Sunday. We love so. being indifferent about special teams. That means that they did their job. Literally. We just asked you to not make a highlight reel. And if you do that, that's bueno like <laughs> good yeah. job what do you think about the new punter everyone wants to know in the chat i've seen it a thousand times. i thought he looked good yeah yeah so we I got consistent one i think one phase went well yeah but i don't know did you have any anything for your indifferent mindset no, no. it was all bad and ugly <laughs> It was. That's look, fair. I love look, I love this team. I will root for them till 
you know, they, they could be Owen 17 and I will still root for them, but they played horribly on Sunday and they played, they, they're better than that. This team is better than that. We all know this team is better than that. So I'm hoping this was just uh, get it all out there. Right. They have like one, like really, really, really bad game every season. I hope this is it. And it's just up from here. Yeah. And I mean, I think I don't have concerns yet. But I do think it's interesting that, you know, kind of the mentality after the game was like, we'll see what the team's made of in how yeah. we respond from this. And it's like, well, you better hope that you respond well. And like, like, you know, if this is a last dance and you're this hungry as a team, yeah. if you don't respond with like you know, fireworks, yeah, then. Yeah. I do want to dispel a couple rumors that have been floating out there. Um, one is there, apparently there's some rumor. Oh, there's a Sean. Thank you. Jenkins full-time tackle now, no matter what. Yeah. That's what we actually said that we're like, Oh, should put him out. He should be put out there as linebacker. Um, there were a couple of rumors out there that Rogers is like intentionally tanking things like that. First of all, that's the dumbest thing he could ever do for himself. If he's still trying to play at all after this season, playing poorly is not going to get him traded to a good team, like a team that wants him. It's, it's, it's not going to go well. Plus they all want to win a Super Bowl. Nobody's out there playing and tanking on purpose. Even if you're the lions or the Texans where, you know, that you're probably not going to make a Super Bowl. I don't believe that teams intentionally tank for any reason. They are all way too hyper competitive to ever allow that to happen. So if you see someone with some BS take about how Rogers is intentionally tanking, just ignore that. Um, I also just want to put this out here too. If you are going to be at the game on Monday night, well, one will be there. That's why Perry's laughing. We'll be there. But uh, also if Jamal Williams scores a touchdown and jumps into your arms, don't push him out. Yeah. Nice to him. him. He's not Stefan Diggs with the Vikings. He is, a sweet baby angel that wanted to stay with the Packers and the salary cap just didn't allow it. So, you know. Oh, Sean meant a full-time tackle. He oh, could be right like tackle when David, the future. When David Bakhtiari comes back, kick him out to right tackle. Agreed. I, and I mean, I wasn't like loving Billy Turner at right guard. I thought he played better as a tackle, but I think Billy Turner inside might be better than what's inside right now. Yeah. So. Because, yeah. Um. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Back to what you were saying about Jamal. I think former players get the benefit of still Lambert. I'm sure he'll get something. Especially like beloved former players like Jamal. It's going to be fun to see him dancing on the sidelines again. I will say that. Yeah. I bet he'll play catch with fans again too. He always did that pregame in warmups. So, Um, okay. So, really quick, we only have a couple minutes left. What are we feeling for the Lions game? Like, how do we want it to go? Anything we want to see? Basically the opposite of everything we saw on Sunday, but anything more specific <laughs> than that. I want to see the offense look like the offense. And I know that's hard. Like, obviously the defense is kind of what we're thinking about being fixed, but I thought that the offense was a little vanilla mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. like anything we're used to from Malafleur. So I want to see the offense look like the offense, um, get creative with guys like Randall Cobb, Mari Rogers, Thankfully, Josiah DeGuara looks like he's in concussion protocol. That looked a lot scarier uh, when it happened live. So hopefully he'll come back soon. But yeah, (laughs) someone in the comments, I want to see a win. Yeah, same. 
But I mean, this is a good opportunity for the Packers to, you know, I know they're in like first place in the NFC North, but the Bears threw the Bengals. Bengals had a good game against the Vikings. Vikings are flying to Arizona. Very challenging matchup with the Cardinals. So this is a good opportunity for the Packers to sit themselves in, you know, top of the North. And yes, it's week two, but it matters. Division games matter a lot. This is a very nice pull for a bounce back game. Obviously we know the lions are not really contenders. They ended up kind of coming back against the 49ers, but 49ers dropped 40 on them and it didn't really end up mattering. Um, Yeah. I want to see, I I mean, exactly what you said. Um, I want them to run the ball more. I want them to run the ball more. Um, I want to see Rogers get back to playing, you know, Rogers football accurate on point throwing into tight windows I want to see that connection with Devonte. Um, I'd like to see a couple, a couple third down stops. Just a couple, just a couple. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's my first game at Lambeau ever. It's my first regular season game up at Lambeau, so um, they better win. I don't know. That's all I have to say. This sounds like really stupid, but the Packers and Lions always play the, like really tough. Matt LaFleur even yeah. said that like the Lions are always a good draw. So I guess to me, the way that I can kind of gauge or the, the thing I want to see from this defense and even from Matt LaFleur, like if the Packers get down early, I want to see poise from whoever's on the field. I think that's something that's still missing. And that. that's something that I think we need to see. And I'm not saying Matt LaFleur is a bad coach. I'm not saying he's on the chopping block. But in all of his losses, things have spiraled. And I want to see some type of bounce back ability without spiraling. But unless you count the NFC Championship game into the regular season, Matt LaFleur has never lost back-to-back games. So hoping for a double-digit win on Monday night, which seems to be his norm uh, as a head coach. Yes, I'm with you there. Okay, so this week... Um, with the Monday night football game. Thank you so much, Jeff. We're so happy to have you here. Please come back. We're here every month. Um, net, with the Monday night game schedule is like a little wonky, but we will be back with a regular episode this week. We packed what she said. It's going to be our Lions preview show. Um, we are planning on going live on Twitch with like a little recap show. I think either think Tuesday <laughs> drive um, into the airport yeah while we're while Maggie's taking me to the airport to come home <laughs> so come drive with us uh and then next week we'll be back on our, our kind of regular schedule with um Niners preview etc so looking forward to that um hoping to do a couple more like recap shows on Twitch so follow us on Twitch packs what she said uh follow us on Instagram at packs what she said uh, if you're here and you're not following us on Twitter, you should definitely be doing that at PWSS Podcast. We've got merch on the Cheesehead TV store. It's the sweatshirt's <laughs> super comfy. Um, go grab some merch. And yeah, Maggie, anything you'd like to add? Did I miss anything in our upcoming events? Not from us, but if you are looking for more YouTube content, uh, Matt Ramage is live, I think, right now. 
I think you went live at 630 Central. You've got the lovely folks at Game on Wisconsin with the MVS show every Tuesday. You can catch them. That starts at 7 p.m. And then you've got Tom Grassi with Kurt Benkert at 730 Central Time uh, going live together. So lots of good Packers content. I think the Packers fans are spoiled by the content creators, but I'm biased. So We made you some content. <laughs> go um, Pack Go. Go Pack Go, guys. See you in a month.